Hello and welcome to the Filter Podcast. My name is Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading and you are listening to the Light Reading Podcast Network. Joining me as ever is Kelsey Zeiser. Hey Phil, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, Kelsey, uh, we had a guest today from uh, a company I can't pronounce. Shocking, I know. <laughs> Aurelion. Aurelion. Me not being able to pronounce something in the moment is uh, become it's becoming a thing, and I swear it's not a bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's just names trip me up. It's fine. I know we ran out of budget for the stronger coffee, so. I know, I know. I got. <laughs> I don't know if it's coffee anymore. I, th I think it, usually it's that I'm too sleepy, but now I think I think there's really something uh, misfiring upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, but what's uh, Aurelion, formerly Telia Carrier, uh, a wholesale carrier, but obviously not. That's not all they do. That's mm -hmm. that's changing. We learned that. Um, our guest is Matthias uh, Friedstrom, who's the chief evangelist over there, and. Uh, um, yeah, and so it's it was an interesting conversation about um, Aurelion's business and how that's changing um, since their business is based on their network. We talked about the network and what makes up the network and what new technologies they're using and how those are changing. And we also talked about uh, what else did we get into? We oh, talked about pluggables and yep. eight hundred gig, yep. uh, and just how Aurelion's um, you know using some of those technologies like pluggables to make the network. Um, more cost efficient and um, overall just run run more efficiently. Um, but Absolutely. we also talked a little bit about um, just some struggle with uh, disaggregation and, uh, you know, yes, there's more choice with more vendors, but it also creates some new problems as well. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, uh, great summary of the podcast. And uh, yeah, once again, I'm glad you were there because I was, but you would never know that by talking to me. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so let's stop listening to me and let's listen to our guest. So hello, everyone. I'm Matthias Fridström. I'm the vice president and chief evangelist at Aurelion. Matthias, thank you for joining us. Uh, great, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Uh, looking forward to it. And uh, let's see. And so uh, Kelsey's on the uh, on the line as well. Kelsey Zeiser, our uh, uh, editor over in the eastern part of the United States, not the part getting hit by hurricanes today, but the other part. <laughs> it's just muggy and hot over right. here. <laughs> right. So, uh, but but we are uh, we are watching that that crazy storm, and we'll be reporting on whatever happens uh, at you know in the in the in the fallout from that. That's that's a, a pretty pretty intense stuff. Um, but, uh, uh, Matthias, how long have you been at, uh, Aurelion formerly, uh, Telia carrier? Yeah, that's a good question. How long have I not been here? It's, it's really, <laughs> I've actually been here since the start of the company. Uh, okay. we are celebrating our 30th anniversary of the AS 1299 network, but that's only the IP domain of the company. So we kind of started the carrier business around 1998 and I was here when we started that it was it was some ideas that crossed at the same time you know IP uh, capacity voice and and kind of international market opened up and and we we felt you know let's kind of create a company that that would take advantage of the openness of of traffic between countries and and I've been here ever since really had many different roles I've been the CTO many times, but now I'm the chief evangelist, which kind of means anything or nothing. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to describe that title. <laughs> uh, it, well, I mean, it's kind of the, you're, you're the person to go to for, uh, uh, questions about the company. So that, th yep. th that helps and the company's activities. Um, and I, and I have one, uh, which is, uh, so would you describe, uh, Aurelia, uh, Aurelion, I guess, uh, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time saying the company name. Aurelion, Ray of Aurelion, as, um, uh, would you describe it as a, uh, a wholesale carrier only, or does it has it branched out into uh, other businesses? Yeah, I would. Uh, if if you would have asked me four years ago, I would still have said a wholesale carrier only, uh, because we really focused at that. But I think at that time it started to be obvious that more and more enterprise customers are starting to buy services that we could actually provide them. Um, they didn't need yeah. the super managed stuff and and all these fantastic reports every month on, on and, and kind of outsourced everything to an operator. They Their own IT department are so skilled today so they can actually buy the products we're selling to other operators and hyperscalers. We can sell the same service to enterprises. So today we sell a lot to enterprises, although we say we kind of sell the same products we've sold before. We give people access to the internet and we sell them bandwidth between their whatever they need bandwidth between. Uh, but we certainly have a lot of enterprise customers in our yeah customer pool now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so today we wanted to talk to you a lot about uh, optical networking. Uh, can you just give us a broad picture of Aurelion's focus um, in terms of optical networking? And then maybe we can dive into pluggables as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the foundation of everything we do is pretty much the optical backbone we have. Uh, in Europe, we partly built the network ourselves, being out there digging, constructing, building own fiber cables and everything. While in US, everything we have is leased from others who've done the digging. Uh, many different companies in US we buy directly from, could be utility companies, could be other operators, could be pretty much anyone. But we do have an entire footprint in the North American market based on fiber. And on top of that, we put our own optical equipment, uh, same type of equipment we use in North America as we use in Europe. Uh, half of that network is used to produce internet backbone services. That's where we connect broadband ISPs, mobile operators who have customers who wants to use the internet. We connect them to the public internet. That's what we do. We also connect the content providers who have something to show to the internet. So half of our optical footprint is simply transporting cat videos uh, between uh, people who want to see them. Uh, the other part what of the network <laughs> is is where we it's sell between transport. Phil and Phil, really. It's just, <laughs> right. Yeah. So the other part of all the European cat videos because I've seen all the American ones. I need all the other ones. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Now the other part of the network is where we sell transport services to other operators who haven't built their network like we've done, or we sell it to enterprise customers who need to connect their headquarters with their small remote offices or their headquarters with their cloud business or whatever. So. I would say we have really two big use cases of our optical footprint. One for our own production platform of the internet backbone, and the other one is selling to someone else who can't really afford of building their own network but need transport between A and B. Yeah, I think with the um, the, the change in on-demand services and things, more more services being offered, uh, you know, uh, on demand or as a service, more things being offered as a service, it's kind of um changed 
the definition of what a carrier is, and it's also changed the definition of what an enterprise is a little bit because enterprises can buy and resell carrier services themselves, or they could run their own networks or or do whatever. So it's a it's a pretty it's that's why I have to ask questions like that because it's a pretty it's pretty interesting how the companies themselves evolve depending on what their technical capabilities are and like you point out depending on what country uh, they're operating in you know maybe they want to uh, invest in capital equipment in yeah. some places but not in others so it just yeah. depends on what makes sense uh, for the business model um, yeah let's talk about uh, optical networks or, or, or the pluggable part because that's the uh, pl pluggable optics is a, is a hot topic. So how long yep. has uh, Aurelion been using pluggables uh, in, yeah. its, in its uh, live network? We've actually, we almost have our two year anniversary this week. Uh, I think we, okay. we made a tweet or I guess it's called X these days, but we, a tweet in the old days, you know, two years ago uh, in the end of September, we tweeted out that we are actually now starting to use pluggables in the networks in, in the city of Stockholm and city of Copenhagen. And it was more to test than it was really to put more, a lot of traffic on that one. But it was just to see that uh, what we do is we have a lot of core routers in the main part of the cities. And then we have a, a number of pops around the core routers where we collect traffic back to the core routers and then send it to where it needs to go. That collection we found immediately would be perfect for these pluggable things. Because practically you, you need what you need in a building is simply a small device that can pick up the traffic from a customer and send it to the core router that then sends it where it needs to go. And, and this pluggable, super standardized, is a very cheap way of expanding our network to the adjacent locations in a city where the customers are. So uh, two years ago, we started with that. Today, we do have this in probably five, six different cities in the US and, and probably 15 cities in Europe. Uh, and we're really looking forward to expand this even further. And I think we will come into the discussions about the, what, what's referred to as the ZR plus stuff, you know, when you, when you suddenly can go longer distances. Most of the things we've done so far is very short distances. It's, it's roughly, you know, 20, 30 kilometers, which is right. good enough to pick up a lot of traffic and save a lot of money. But I think the real cool stuff is coming now when, when you can go much longer distances. And that's where the savings come. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was kind of getting to was like where, you know, obviously, yeah, like you said, short, short distances to start, you've been doing this for, it's been live in your network for two years. Yep. Um, so, uh, so yeah, what, what, uh, so I guess what tech generation is it that you're using now? I guess you're using 400, uh, uh ZR or 400, yeah, 400 ZR. ZR is where we have most of our applications and that's where we actually start to order quite a lot of plugs right now to, to do that. But we've, uh, you kind of, we, yeah, we had a press release a couple of weeks ago where we announced together with Cisco that we're using the Cisco bright models. We tested them okay. last year. Now we have them in production. So now we announced that they're actually in production right now. And, and with them comes another use case, you know, the former use case of collecting traffic in the outskirts of a city into the core of the city, that's still there. Uh, what we can do with the bright modules is we can collect pretty much all the traffic in New Jersey and go back to New York with the traffic where the core routers are. But what we also can do now suddenly is we can replace part of our inner backbone with this technology. Uh, the inner backbone in an internet network is pretty much big routers talking to big routers. Uh, and it's... Right quite expensive to have that traffic over an optical footprint in the middle. You shoot from a router to an optical footprint, use transponders from your optical vendor, and then get it in the other end. 
If you can shoot that traffic directly from a router to a router and only use amplifiers in between, there's a ton of savings you can make here. And that's really the business case we look forward to right now. The first one is still valid, still really good. We can pick up a lot of traffic. But the new one and, and that we announced right now that we're starting to replace our inner core backbone with pluggable optics, uh, that's that's going to be a dramatic saving in the way we produce our services and, and hopefully to the better of our customers as well. Okay. So what, and what's the distance difference that, that would, yeah, the that distance would difference right now is we can shoot up to 700 kilometers. Uh, I think okay. the first implementation we had was about 650 kilometers. Uh, okay. I think we believe we can shoot seven, maybe even 800. I think the next generation that's probably going to come next year, will probably shoot over a thousand kilometers and then we can expand this even further. But there's a ton of things in our network that is closer than 600 kilometers between cities. You know, if, if you think about the east coast of US, most cities are close to each other and there's a great right. business case in that area. Same thing if you go to the California area, uh, the flap ring in Europe, you know, Frankfurt, London, Amsterdam, Paris, that area is yeah. perfect for this. So there's a lot of use cases. So we have <laughs> plenty of work to do right now uh, to implement this new technology. Uh, Kelsey, were you going to uh, Yeah, I mean, that kind, kind of answered a lot of my, my questions about why, you know, pluggables are more efficient. Um, so thanks for, for explaining that. Um, are there any other, um, you know, use cases that, that you wanted to touch on um, that these, uh, you know, bring to bear for your customers? Uh, I would, I would say th these are the use cases we work on right now that, mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, replacing there's going to be a lot of planned work involved in this. It's going to take a lot of time. We don't want to bring out customers' traffic every weekend by doing this. So it will take a while to implement this. So I think we will have our hands full of of, of doing this. But it really, uh, yeah, what it does is it, it gives us a fantastic business case, but it also makes the current transponders available for other customers. And therefore, we can be a bit more aggressive towards our enterprise market, going out to them and say, you know, hey, there's a lot of, empty capacity in our network right now, you know, if you want a fast delivery time and so on. So I think, you know, yeah, there's some things that's going to be enhanced to others as well uh, uh, following this. Uh, but I don't think really we have any more use cases, but we don't really need more use cases right now because <laughs> this, this is perfect for us anyway. So right. Yeah, because you've got all these links that are out there, like you were sort of alluding to, that the, that, that are being replaced with direct connections exactly. router to router. And in that case, like you said, you free up capacity um, yep. for for customer uh, for customer use because you're yep. not just going to take decommission that equipment and pull it out of your network. You're going to keep no, that. no, no. It's it's going to stay there, yeah. and it's it's available for someone else right now. Uh, and there is yeah. a constant traffic growth. You always feel that at the beginning of every year. You know, is this year is this the year when the traffic is not going to grow anymore? <laughs> Are people right. using everything <laughs> to the max? <laughs> Then, funnily enough, you know, traffic is still growing. We've even have growth this summer, which is the first time ever that we've seen growth in the network during summertime. Wow. Uh, people usually take vacation, not using the network too much. But, right. but summer of twenty twenty three was a bit different. It might be yeah. that we. I mean, did you really did you really go on vacation if you didn't document every part of it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another question we need to find out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was so the, just for folks who haven't or who kind of lightly keep up with optical networking, um, let's talk a bit about what these what these moves you're making in Aurelion's network signifies to the, the 
or, or sort of how, how that looks to the rest of the industry. So you, you've written about this before, the, 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 the trend of uh, disaggregation in service yep. provider networks. So how do pluggable, pluggables, uh, the use of pluggables, how does that sort of um, marry up with that trend? What, you know, how does that signify that this, that this network is di- disaggregated? And then how far do you think this disaggregation spreads in terms of, uh, you know, what other uh, yeah. pieces of equipment might it might yeah. it touch? As no, it, I as think it, I, I think that's a really good question and also a, a very important question because I think in the beginning people were a bit afraid of disaggregation because you know the vendors keep telling you that you know the optimal performance is only received if you buy everything from us because then we can tailor made everything for you and it's going to be fantastic and you will reach 100% performance. Sounds I think <laughs> people are starting to realize that. Yeah, that's probably still true, but if you reach 95% performance, but still can buy your stuff from different vendors and, and thereby pushing the price and pushing performance and all that stuff, it's always to the better. And then, of course, there's a borderline of how much you should outsource, because at the end of the day, you know, we don't want to start buying components and putting it together. So there, there needs to be some stuff in here. And I think, you know, from our point of view, we will probably buy the line systems from one vendor, and then we will buy the transponders from whoever. Uh, and here we've really tested this, and we can see that it works. It took a while to get. I would say the the vendors keep talking that they like these open because they can start to sell to anyone. But I, in the end, I don't think they really like it. You know, it's a bit troublesome. Um, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you win, sometimes you lose. It's, it's a lot more open. Uh, and of course, that means there's a lot more obligations on us to keep after the performance and the operations. Uh, before, you could always call your vendor and say, hey, there's something wrong here. Please help me. Now they right. will always blame all the other transponders in the, in the box. Uh, right. So that, And at the same time, you know, we're taking on this on ourselves, we've added some more key resources here and we feel we have better grip of this. So I would say that the this the disaggregation is only good in our industry it, it keeps everyone on their toes and it makes all the operators at least buying the latest and greatest gear and then of course adding pluggables in here one more component becoming standardized and, and so on uh, i would say the 400 gig zr has reached the standardization right now that is very comfortable you can you can pretty much buy the plugs from anyone and you it's not a guarantee that it's going to work, but it's a highly likelihood that it's going to work. I would say the ZR Plus stuff is still a bit, you know, um, you can buy a plug from someone, you put it in a router, and mm-hmm. yeah, most of the time it works, but sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, there's still some work to do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that the technology is a bit, uh, it's a bit more tough to to get to work. The lasers are everything is just sharper and better, and therefore a bit less standardized and, and a bit more proprietary, but but I think over time that's going to happen as well. So I think this complete disaggregation in the optical world, it is absolutely good for us operators. I hope it's in the end good for the vendors or the suppliers, because I hope that means that they, they can sell to whoever, whenever. Uh, and, and, and hopefully we all get these networks to work together in the end, because yeah. Uh, I think it's because that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's what makes all the networks, I guess, more valuable. Um, so yeah, great, great point with that. Um, 
uh, yeah, I, I, I think it, it, I think it ultimately will be better for vendors, but, but they have to kind of go through that growing period of deciding what business they're really in, yeah. you know, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, because, because the, their market has expanded, you know, as I was, as we were say, saying earlier, the ability to sell directly to enterprise networks now who are kind of acting more and more like small service providers is a much bigger market. There's definitely more enterprise yeah. networks than there are service provider networks, but that's a different kind of yeah. sales timeline and a different kind mm -hmm. of strategy and a different kind of uh, business model than perhaps what they're used to. So it, it, yeah. it will require some adjustment, even if the total addressable market expands. I didn't mean to turn this into an economics class for our poor <laughs> podcasters yeah. who are just on their treadmill, yeah. just trying to get a work in a workout in before a lunch or whatever. Yeah. yeah um, someone's eyes are that. crossing out there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I've probably put them all to sleep now. Apologies for those yeah. of you who are driving. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, uh, I, I just think these points are important because it's like, it's, these things all come with trade-offs, you know, that's, that's yeah. kind of what happens in, in the, in these businesses as carriers evolve and enterprises yeah. evolve. Yeah. Um, and I fully I understand was... suppliers, you know, before, like 10 years ago, you sold the contract and you were, you were in there for 10 years. It's like, you just, you sold the line system and you were guaranteed business for seven, 10 years. Uh, and of course, that's a fantastic life if you're a supplier. <laughs> and now yeah. suddenly we, we, you turn into something that you practically sell something once and then you have to fight for the next business and the next business. So for, I understand for them, this is scary. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> there are opportunities there for them as well. So hopefully in the end, they will accept this and, and this is the way it's going to be. Uh, Kelsey, any any other uh questions about network disaggregation, optical networking or anything we've covered. I, I want to move on to like one more topic and then we'll, uh, a, a sort of a, a similar, but not the same topic, uh, or adjacent topic, I guess. And then we'll, uh, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah. I was just curious, uh, where you see the industry deploying 800 gig, uh, in the future and, and where that's headed. Yeah. Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, for the moment, I really feel 400 is big enough. It's good enough. <laughs> I don't see a stress for getting in 800. Uh, I feel when we went from 100 to 400, there was a bit of a stress there. And, and there were so many things coming out with 400 where suddenly the IP world and the DVDM world merged and, and we got this pluggable and everything. Now everyone is, you know, oh, when is 800 coming out? When is 1.2 coming out? And I feel like there is really no stress for that right now. 400 is big enough, good enough. And, the, and the, I would say everything works around 400 right now. So let's maximize 400. And then, you know, if 800 comes next year, yeah, so be it. it it's going to be interesting. We'll probably use it. We'll probably, but I feel right now this, we don't really see a stress over 400 right now. We're at the point where 400 now works really, really well. So let's mm -hmm. use that. There is a more of a two-year plan to build out 400 before we're done with 400 and ready for 800. So uh, yeah, 800 is cool to talk about. It's it's a cool number, <laughs> but I think 400 is was way more important than 800. I think going from 100 to 400 was a big, big step for operators and, and hyperscalers as well. And I think uh, we're really fine with where we are. Uh, Do you think it'll be the, the initial case, use cases in your net, in Aurelion's network will just be like um, consolidating existing routes and things like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. Of... Uh, there's a ton of savings you can do here. Uh, that means also freeing up space for other type of customers and, and so on. So I mm -hmm. think right now we have we have our hands full. Um, the use case of replacing expensive transport systems with this new technology is fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it, it does seem like there's a, a you know quite quite a bit of upside in the optical networking domain, even as they're pushing you know kind of the the speeds and the and the capacity yeah. uh, as far as it yeah. as far as it and will I, go. And I think also, you know, previously every time there was a new generation of equipment coming out, it was always twice as good as the old one. So you could always throw out the old one, replace it with the new one, and you had twice as much capacity. I think with the Shannon's limit around the corner and, and kind of we already reached it, then, you know, new systems, if you if you have 800 gigs, it's probably going to be, you know, if you can day, if you today can do 400 times 100, you can probably do 800 times 50. So in reality, you don't really gain that much. Um, so, yeah, you, it's easier to... When, when when you have a lot of traffic on one route, it's easier to sort of move that traffic if something happens in your network. So there's some some stuff in here from an operational point of view that will be easier with more traffic on a single path. But I think in the end, you know, what what we operators need is is more transport capacity between A and B. And I think 800 is not going to give us that much more than 400 is giving it. it. So I think we're at the point in time when Shannon's limit is is pushing us to buy more line systems on parallel fiber pairs instead of right. buying cooler and newer and, and better stuff. And, and arguably the price of 400 is going down. So yeah, you're you know, right. That, that, that influences it as well. Yeah. Um, well, well, uh, well, thanks for the commentary on that. Um, I want to ask you real quick about podcasting. You're, you're uh, coming up on probably about 40 episodes of your podcast. Yep. Um, if somebody hasn't, uh, been subscribing the whole time uh what what would you say the what, what's the podcast called and what's it primarily about and yeah. then is it usually uh you by yourself or do you do you have guests yeah no uh, uh, i i really have guests I, i'm not the smartest person to do on on certain topics i i'd love to have guests it's called I the connectivity and co-host yeah. that's how that's how, <laughs> that's how far behind i am <laughs> it's the connectivity podcast uh, and really the reason why was I, I went to a couple of shows and I really met a lot of people that said they were skilled in telecom and skilled in IT and all that stuff. And I felt, you know, yeah, they're really skilled in IT and Kubernetes and all that stuff, but they had no clue about the connectivity. So my thinking was, you know, let's start a podcast where we talk about the basics of connectivity. Uh, so therefore, I invite guests to my podcast and kind of interview them about their angle of connectivity. Uh, and it's typically not the CEOs and everyone because they're just giving, yeah, the corporate blah, blah, blah. Um, just a bunch so of waffle, yeah. <laughs> I'm more trying to find the, the people that really know something here. So I've found a, a number of really cool, interesting people talking about, you know, their view of connectivity. And yeah, you know, some people are putting data centers underneath water. Some people want to put data centers on the moon. Some people talk about parts of security that no one else have heard about. So, uh, yeah, I think I've found a number of interesting guests and, and it's pretty cool right now because now people are calling me if, and ask if they could come and join the show and, and talk about their part of this. So it's all about trying to learn more about connectivity. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, and I think you're correct in saying that, that it, it in the technology world, it is largely taken for granted. And so it does help to um, kind of re remind people how these things work. And then also, um, like your guests frequently do sort of remind people of, um, what the possibilities are with yeah. connectivity and how difficult it can be to, yeah. uh, you know, to, to bring connectivity to certain environments or certain locations or, 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 or that sort of thing, because it, uh, yeah, I do, I do find, uh, uh obviously I've listened, but I, I find, find it interesting. Um, the, the perspectives you seek are not, like you said, they're not business 
focus necessarily. A lot of them are looking at, uh, you know, our data scientists or uh, people that are uh, kind of, uh, or sorry, network scientists, folks who yep. are engineering oriented and looking at, at real connectivity issues. Yep. Um, what have you, uh, so being a podcast host is a new thing for you. What, what have you learned uh, about being a podcast host so far? And then uh, <laughs> um, you know, has, yeah. has anything changed in the way you sort of talk to people now that you're, you're um, having guests and interviewing guests and that sort of thing? I, I don't really, I, th I think you, um, sometimes it feels like the, the less prepared you are the, and the more curious you are, then that's really what, what drives the whole thing. You know, if, if you have yeah. a good guest and, and you're just curious in the subject, then obviously I read about the subject before, so I'm kind of prepared. But I think that uh, I've, I've really understood that there's a lot of interesting people out there. And if you just ask the right questions, you will come out with so many cool things and so on. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think with the pandemic came this, you know, suddenly webinars became very, webinars became much better and they became more they became more of them as well. And I think that's still yeah. the case. You know, I, I really enjoy listening to your web, your podcast and other podcasts and webinars. And I think they, they all became much more professional because this is the way people have learned to consume uh, yeah. interesting things these days. Uh, before it yeah. was just a replacement of, of something that no one really knew about. Now I think they're much more interesting, much, much better. So uh, well, and, and I think there's a complementary nature to how, how some of these things work, where it's like you can talk about um, whatever layer in the industry you want to talk about. And, and you know, some of us are way up here on the surface and some are, are a little bit more technical in depth. And then others are more financially skewed and others yeah. are more, you know, um, uh, consumer product oriented or whatever. But it's sort of all knits together. So, yeah, if you if you put a, uh, you know, I always think of these things as like they they could be considered competitive, but I can't, I can't really picture that myself because I, I like to make playlists on mine when I'm, you know, uh, going for a walk or something like that. And I, I like the fact that there's so many, uh, different ways to attack, a, a um, some new event or some new technology that happens to the industry. Um, yeah. it's, it's kind of invigorating to hear different people weigh in from all over the place and podcasts are definitely a, uh, great vehicle for that. Anyway, I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about your own because I, I, I enjoy it. I hope everybody else uh, signs up yeah. as well oh, that's good. Um, and put it right there in the playlist next to the light reading podcast. So I don't get in trouble <laughs> yeah. with my bosses. Um, <laughs> my boss is Kelsey, by the way, she'll get mad at me and uh, yeah. that, that won't be good. Um, me, and, me and two cats. That's right. Uh, <laughs> like, Kelsey, any other, uh, anything else to add while, uh, before we wrap up? No, I think that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> All right. Let's leave it right there. Matthias Friedstrom from, uh, Aurelion, which I can oh, now perfect. pronounce at the end of this podcast. So if, 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 if no one's learned anything else from the podcast, you've, you've <laughs> certainly helped me. And, uh, thanks for being on the light reading podcast. Yep. No, thanks for having me.